Hello everybody, welcome to the Sales and Presentation Podcast. This is Trevor Lee, this is episode 104 and this is brought to you at the end of the Easter break which is part in the UK certainly of we're going into week four into lockdown now and during that time of course if you are working from home or you've been furloughed then this could be a great opportunity couldn't it to sharpen your your skills, your business skills. So in this episode, I've got for you a guy who really will help you sharpen your presentation skills, whether you're an experienced presenter or someone who's looking to get into presenting when all this is over. So Brian Burkhart runs a business called Square Planet. He's been helping uh, businesses in the States and across the world enhance their presentation skills for many, many years. He works with all sorts of people. He's got some great tips and ideas. You're going to absolutely love this podcast. So I'm not going to say any more. I'm just going to hand over to Brian. It was a great podcast. Enjoy. Tell us a bit about yourself, Brian, and your company and and what you're up to. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, My company, it's called Square Planet. We're based in Phoenix, Arizona, out here in the beautiful, warm climate of of Arizona. And I'll tell you, first and foremost, Trevor, uh, we believe deeply in making waves. We make waves. And that is clearly not of the aquatic variety, as my company is uh, in this very arid climate. The waves that we make, it's about helping our clients take their most important messages and elevating them so people remember and act. Right. We want, we want our clients' messages so clear that people remember and act. And that means we often have to take a, a different, more engaging track. We can't follow a well-worn path. And so that's where the notion of making waves come in. Um, the things that we do, it's really interesting. It's about helping organizations. It's about helping individuals. It's about really thinking things through, like how you're going to present yourself in a live environment, even things like this in a podcast, job interviews. It's all the same theory and idea. Uh, And we see ourselves doing a lot of things in sales presentations. And so as you can imagine, just in corporate work, uh, presentations takes on so many different forms, so many different ways of being expressed, and yet the theories still hold. So it's very interesting work. We work with some amazing clients. Uh, We're lucky to be global. I've worked in uh, of six of the seven continents, 40 plus countries. So it's pretty cool stuff. It really is. Absolutely. Uh, and how, and just, and how, how did you get into this, Brian? We, you know, how, what, how did Square Planet start? What was the, what was the seminal moment that suddenly all this began to happen? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting story. I was um, working mostly at the time producing video media for conferences and events. And so uh, I'd have a group of my guys, things like a cameraman and a sound guy, and we'd go all over the world, and I was behind the camera as the producer telling people, okay, let's rephrase that, say it this way. And we were building these little modules that would be played at meetings and conferences. We were in San Diego, California, beautiful hotel called La Del Coronado, and it was a medical conference. And the chief medical officer for Stanford University Hospital was giving a presentation. And this would be one of the top doctors at absolutely one of the best hospitals, quite literally, on the planet. This is, a, this is a real deal doc. And I was a worker bee at this conference working on these media pieces. I'm in the front row. And if there were 10 things that you should do during a presentation, uh, this guy was doing none of them. If there were 10 <laughs> things 
you shouldn't do during a presentation, <laughs> this guy was doing 12 of them. It was just tragic. <laughs> and as I was working, I said, okay, I've had enough. I got up from my seat and I was walking towards the back of the ballroom and I saw three people who had name tags on. They made a conscious choice, Trevor. They got out of their seats and they were laying on the floor sleeping through the top dock of Stanford University's keynote address. And right then and there, I said, we've got to do something about this. And it just was sort of a confluence of events and skill sets that I said, we're going to morph a little bit of what we do with these pre-produced media pieces and help people for this live environment. That's been about nine years. We've grown and changed and added to our services since. But the core ideas still remain in place. And it's really based on this notion uh, of, of making waves and helping people really stand out in a way that makes sense. So it's kind of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. So what are the fundamental things, Brian, that you see people still doing when you talk about the 12 things he did wrong? Uh, because, yeah. you know, over here in the UK, you know, I see, I think things like people just uh, too many words on the slides. Uh, they've got no idea about the time concept. They've got no idea about engaging their audience. They ramble around at the start. I mean, is those are the sort of things that you're seeing, you know? Oh, please know that none of that is by anything in any way, shape or form uh, uh, endemic to just the UK. That is part of the, the international way of being. It's awful. Uh, what you've just <laughs> described, by the way, uh, I agree with all of those as bad elements of presenting. Yeah. But really, I like to give those an umbrella. And that umbrella is the notion of being selfish. If you put too many words on screen, if you don't engage the audience, if you go over your allotted time, all of those elements and so many more, that's selfish behavior. And uh, as audience members, we actually get defensive. We find ourselves thinking, I don't like this person. I don't like to feel this way. And it might be self-talk, self, uh, self subconscious kind of stuff, but we recognize very deeply that's, that selfish behavior when it happens. Um, and so that's the number one rule of what we try to teach people not to do is to be selfish. So yeah. all those things are right. The thing that I would tell you, and you'll, I think you'll appreciate this, Trevor, the, the number one thing that I want people to really work on it's using the proper structure. When it comes to telling a story, uh, even things like a job interview, uh, trying to sell a product or service, doing a simple thing like building a website for your organization, the one thing that seems like organizations and individuals never seem to get right ever is they always lead with what. It's always what's. We've been in business since 1916. We have 500 <laughs> associates. We're on six continents. These are what's. And I want to know why. Yeah. I want to know what you stand for. I want to know what you believe in. And I want that first. If we believe the same things, we're going to be great. If we don't believe the same things, we're not going to work very well at all. And I think a simple example, as, as uh, ugly as this might be, is politics. Here in America, it's very similar with your prime minister. There are lots of people who think Boris is kind of a bozo and others who think he's great. In America, lots of people think, Trump is a bozo. A lot of people think he's great. Well, trying to get people on either camp to think the other way, it's not going to happen. You're not going to yeah. change their mind. We already yeah. know what we stand for. We know what we believe. And so organizations get that wrong in their businesses. They don't do a good job of telling people what they stand for. They want to be there for everyone. And it's a false narrative. It doesn't work. Got to know what you stand for. Yeah, and I, I get what you say about the what, because um, a lot of the presentations I see and comment on and when I'm doing work with people, 
is they, you know, they're more keen to talk about the awards they've won. And I, I, I've got a couple of slides where it says, hey, look how great we are, how brilliant we are. Here's the awards we won. And here's our amazing coffee machine and all that sort of stuff, you know, um, instead exactly. of thinking, hey, I'm in the audience. What's in this for me? You know, exactly. And I, and I find that people, when I, you know, that when you talk to them about, well, you know, start with something in mind for the audience, you know, don't start about yourself. You know, we don't need, to, as you say, we don't need to know you've been going 25 years and you've got thousands of employees. I'm not interested in that. I don't care anything about you. I just want to know. It's a bit like a sales pitch, isn't it? I want to know what it does for me. That's what That's I'm exactly really right. interested in. Um, I'll take that one step further. And this is a very uh, pragmatic piece of advice and it borders on the mechanical. And I have essentially a 75 second rule. Everyone okay. that I coach, I essentially say things like, if you are going to use slides, a slide deck, PowerPoint, which seems to be the vast majority of people. Yeah. I say things like, I don't want you to click a slide for a minimum of the first 75 seconds of your presentation. I right. want you to come out. And I don't care if you're talking to one to 10 or 10,000 people. You need to connect with your audience like a human being first. You don't go to a dinner party. You don't have a holiday with family and friends. You don't sit across from people at dinner and start by clicking slides. You actually converse <laughs> and connect like a human being. So why would we do that in, other, in a regular presentation? Um, and it's amazing how uncomfortable that is for some presenters. They just start freaking out and look for anything to click. 75 seconds, connect with the audience, be a human being. And do you think that, Brian, a lot of, I, I tend to think that a lot of people think the presentation is, is actually about the slides and they're just a facilitator. And I try to say to them, it's not. You're the presentation. It's you that people are buying into. It's not the slides. I call it a prompt, not a script, you know, and, and things like that. So is, is that how you see it as well, that the slides, you know, the, the person is the most important part of the presentation? Uh, we are so in agreement, it's actually hard to believe. And in my favorite story along that line, uh, I was doing a presentation for United Airlines. This was in Chicago, maybe two, three years ago, I forget. Probably 400 people in the audience. And one of the things that I do when I present, when I take the stage, is I start by saying, I choose for us to be in a dialogue, not a monologue. And so if you have questions, issues, if you take umbrage with some of the things I say, by all means, shout it out, raise your hand, I can handle it, bring it on. Well, these two ladies who are sitting side by side, um, very much disagreed with my notion that presentations and slides are synonymous. They are not. <laughs> slides are there to support the presenter. They are not the primary reason for being. And they got really upset with this notion and sort of amped up the heat around it. And so I got off stage. I had a wireless lavalier microphone on. And so I got off stage. And in the middle of my presentation, I probably had 40 minutes of 60 minutes left. I walked all the way to the back of the room where the AV tech guys were in a very, almost like Liberace, the old pianist who was very <laughs> fanciful with his hand stroke. Yeah, yeah. I, I very deliberately pulled the cord on my slides. <laughs> Screens go black. And I said something like, you guys tell me, 40 minutes from now, if I'm ineffective without slides, tell me. But I'm pretty confident that I know my material and I'm fairly secure in my ability to present it powerfully that the message will be transmitted without slides. Of course, we kind of know how this goes. It went great. And I now actually like to challenge myself when I present that more often than not, I really try to, if I could, uh, avoid using slides. What's interesting is I have a team of people here at my company, Square Planet, 
that does nothing but build slides for our clients. And so <laughs> I've got people that I employ, this is what they do, and I try to avoid it. Well, it's interesting that because here in the UK, if I'm speaking at a, a, you know, a local networking event and there might be 20, 30 people there max where you know, I can see them all very closely, I try and avoid using slides. And, and I've got an old suitcase and I, and I say it's the 1960s version of PowerPoint. And I've just got a few things in the suitcase that I pull out. I've got a particular one I do with a wetsuit and a t-shirt for a sales sort of gig thing. Um, and I say to them, you, you know, and everybody remembers the suitcase or the wetsuit or the t-shirt. Um, and, and I use that as an example because, you know, being, you know, you'd be more, your, your presentation there, you unplugging the slides will be, you know, be one of the most memorable things people have, would have seen in ages. Absolutely. And it's interesting with the suitcase, one of my favorite things that we created for a client a few years ago uh, is we had a, a really interesting methodology. The client had to reveal kind of a top secret new product and he had a 60 minute speaking slot. And so we had him come out with one of those aluminum briefcases handcuffed to his wrist with a couple of guys that we had dressed in dark suits with the sunglasses and they acted like they were you know, the security <laughs> detail. And we had a pedestal on stage. And so he came out, put the, the briefcase on the pedestal, unlocked the handcuffs, and for a good 56 minutes or so of the presentation, never referenced it, looked at it, said a word about it, nothing. And the audience <laughs> just was at the edge of their seat. What's in the briefcase? <laughs> Until the very end when he revealed the final secret. So it's an it's interesting technique that you use, and I like it very much. Yeah, and, uh, and I, I looked at one of your videos earlier where you, did the, uh, you poured out the, the, the can of Guinness. Yes. Uh, and, and it inspired you for the slogan on the side of the lorry and all that stuff. And, um, all right. and, I, and I, again, I, I love those things where people are, are being creative with the way they interact with the audience. Um, so I'm going to ask you, if you wouldn't mind on this show, just sure. sharing with my audience, you know, you know, three or four of your top tips that will help them become better presenters. Uh, I, I appreciate you giving me that chance. And I'll tell you, Trevor, I think there's a couple of things that really stand out to me. There's one more than anything else that uh, seems to be something that's an easy framework for people to follow. And whether you're a professional presenter, if it's something that you do as part of your work, if you're someone that's aspiring to just simply be better, I tell everyone that when they build the construct, the words of the presentation, which is of course the most important part, answer three very simple but incredibly powerful questions. And that is, what do you want the audience to know? That's with a K. What do you yeah. want them to feel? And then what do you want them to do? Know, feel, and do. That actually comes back from the ancient Greeks. We're talking Aristotle, Socrates, Plato. Those guys were the originators of communication theory as we know it today. And they talked about things like ethos, pathos, and logos, the ways that we learn, the way it hits us on a variety of human levels. But that's a fairly difficult thing. If I said, uh, we need more pathos in that presentation, <laughs> it's hard to translate. Yeah, yeah, but no feel and do is a really great framework. And, and you'd be surprised by, especially in corporate work, how few organizations really even consider the notion of feelings. But at the end of the day, we're human beings. It's humans yeah. working and, and selling and talking to other humans. And so those feelings, those emotions, they deeply matter. So that little framework, that's step one to get much better. Use it, work on it. Uh, it's easier said than done, 
And it's one of those things that's so sophomoric in nature. It's so simple as a construct that people may not fully embrace the power that actually lies within the no field do construct, but it's very real. So that's, that's tip number one. Tip number two is perhaps um, the most obvious thing that I teach people, but that is preparation is big. Uh, I find myself working with very senior people on a regular basis, and they all seem to find justification for the lack of preparation. They've got <laughs> 9 million things going on. The kids have a, a game they need to attend. They've got to travel, all of these things. And I say, while I understand that, I get that. The moment you're standing in front of a group of people and they're all staring back at you is the moment you realize you probably needed some more prep time. And I get it. It's really easy to minimize prep. And for guys like me who present all the time, for people like you who present all the time, it's sometimes this sort of self-narrative of, I've got this. I've done this before. No. Each audience deserves the very best out of you. I, uh, many years ago, many years ago, uh, worked at Disney World down in Florida. I drove submarines at the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea ride, which was the Jules Byrne book from a million years ago. And one of the things that we were taught was no matter how many times we did that ride, that experience, I had a new group of people in my submarine and they deserved our very best, no matter what. And so it might've been my 60th time that day doing that spiel, but it was new to that group. Yeah. And I think presenters can have a false narrative in their head about their experience, their level of knowledge of the topic. They can be a little bit cocky and go in not as prepared as they need to be. And so even guys like me who present all the time, I prep, I get ready. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a combination of things. The last one, my final tip is actually probably my most favorite. And it's something that I think is a touch esoteric. And so please forgive me if I go a little bit off the reservation on this, but the reality <laughs> is, is I think the best presenters come to any presentation from a position of gratitude. And the way I can describe that is things like this, Trevor, my chance to spend some time with you today and your audience, I am deeply grateful. This is a really cool thing for me. And I've been on lots of podcasts. I've been a guest on lots of shows. I've done lots and lots of presentations. I've met lots of people. But to share my ideas with you, with your audience, to spend time together, I am deeply grateful for that. If I am a little bit cavalier around that, if that gratitude isn't really fully deeply there, the audience is going to know. But these are unique opportunities. This is not a task. This is not something I just check off on my to-do list, spend time with Trevor. No, this is a really cool opportunity. And if you have that grateful mindset, I think audiences pick up on it. It certainly makes me feel better about the situation. And so I know it absolutely works to keep me engaged, to keep me excited about conversations, topics, and ideas that I spend a lot of time on. And so it's important for the presenter, but I think it's deeply important for the audience. Gratitude first. I, those are brilliant tips, Brian. And I could, you know, there's a clear link between all of them, isn't there as well? And uh, particularly, I, I get your, you know, what you said about tip number two. And I, I, I imagine that the people who don't prepare very well also don't think about um, the fact that, you know, they're there with the gratitude of their audience. They just take it for, you know, they are thinking, oh, well, I'm here, you know, who cares about you kind of thing. So, but exactly just right. go back to tip number two. I'm really interested in that about that preparation is big. Do you find that I, I've got this feeling that the higher up somebody is in an organization, 
the less they are prepared uh, to prepare and also to practice. And, and I guess you would lump practice in with preparation, I imagine, would you? Well, again, we fully agree. I would echo those sentiments until someone tells me to stop. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is, is that when you get higher up the, the ladder at any organization, you're going to get fewer and fewer moments of actual truth. And the way I describe that is I've worked with senior leaders at some really big brands. I mean, some of these global brands of, you know, huge reputations. And they're often, these senior leaders, they're often really unprepared. They don't practice at all. They'll do a terrible job and they'll come off that stage or that environment and people will say, oh, that was great. You did a great job. It's a lie. You did terrible. And I, I, I think the reality is, is that that, notion of taking time of really thinking it through of spending the proper advanced time it matters people uh often use apple and steve jobs as a reference point of what to do and, and they get a lot of love and it can be even a bit cliche but the truth of the matter is is that steve jobs he was a jerk to a lot of people but he was also incredibly prepared for some of those big product launches, those big live demos, when he would do things yeah. like in 2007, here's the iPhone, he practiced on the same stage with the same technical crew, technical crew at the same exact hour for days in advance to get it just right. And that yeah. was very expensive. They would spend a ton of money in advance to do that, but that was at Steve's request because he wanted it to be perfect. Yeah. That almost maniacal dedication, that's rare. I get it. But the contrary is that the vast majority of people, especially at those higher up levels, they don't do anything. And so there's uh, probably a happy medium there for most, but you got to do more than nothing. Really interesting that because I was uh, involved in a conference about four weeks ago, just before we kind of all this sort of stuff stopped in the UK uh, for small yeah. businesses. And I was the first speaker on in the afternoon and my, I was given 40 minutes to talk about how to be a confident presenter. And in Perfect. the morning, there were, there were members of the organization, you know, not, brought, not speakers like myself, but just people just sharing their story, you know, and, um, and uh, there were four of them. And they weren't very, you know, frankly, they weren't very good at sharing their story. You know, you would have looked at them and thought, wow, these aren't brilliant presentations. But every right. time one of them finished, the compare said, oh, that was Sharon. That was brilliant. <laughs> that was You're absolutely rubbish. brilliant. And I'm sitting there yeah. thinking... I've heard this now four times. So when I go on this afternoon, I'm thinking, well, I don't need to do anything. I just need to say, well, copy those people, you know, those people in the morning because they're all brilliant. So it inspired me to write a blog, which I haven't published yet, called Don't Ever Tell Me My Presentation Was Brilliant. <laughs> I love it. We because, actually have you know, T-shirts that we give people that say, can you handle the ugly truth? Because my job, like you, it's to tell people that was garbage. That was yeah. rubbish. Yeah, yeah, and, I, no, and I, my point, my point in the blog was that you know, I've, like yourself, you know, I've done a lot of presentations, but I'm always learning. I'm always thinking I can do better, you know. And if if someone tells me it's brilliant, then it makes me think, well, I don't know, I've reached that pinnacle, but we never do. So, yeah, Brian, that's to that end, absolutely. Sorry, oh, I'm sorry. I, I was just no, carry on. One carry thing on. That, um, I actually like to do this. You know, some people, most people, when they see themselves in video or hear their voice when it's recorded they have that reaction of, ooh, I look terrible, I sound funny. I have heard and seen myself for so long and it's like, well, yeah, that's what I look and sound like. I'm very much past that. However, um, when I present, if video is available, I love to study and watch my own presentations. 
I look at with a very realistic eye of what did I do right? What did I do wrong? Where can I improve? And I really try to make a point of being a good student of the game. It doesn't stop. It's yeah. one of those things where, you know, more often than not, I'm going to, this sounds terrible as I break my arm, patting myself on the back at how great I am. But when I speak at conferences, typically I'm one of the best ones. And I don't mean to say that in a way that sounds, I mean, but I'm the presentation guy. I'm supposed to be, right? But it's the kind of thing when I watch those, I can always find some flaws. I can always find room for improvement, always. And I, and I think that's that notion that you're talking about of just really constantly improving no matter what. Yeah, great stuff. Brian, that's been absolutely terrific. Uh, before we wrap up, um, uh, perhaps you could tell uh, our audience a little bit about how to get hold of you if they're interested in working with you or having you along to their conference. And also, um, you've got your own podcast, Square Stories. So perhaps you'd like to tell us a little bit about that as well. Yeah, there's a lot going on in my world. Uh, even though the, the, the craziness of the overall global health is certainly in question. Uh, we're still chugging along, making things go. <laughs> the best way to find me is to find my main company, which is called Square Planet. I tell people to think round earth. Just go to squareplanet.com. Yep. You can certainly check out my book, which is called Stand for Something. It's on Amazon. We're an Amazon bestseller, which is pretty cool. And then uh, if you are so inclined, I will tell you that I, I really enjoy our little podcast. It's called Square Stories. It's available on iTunes and Spotify and all the typical outlets. Um, I think we're up to 30-something episodes at this point with a whole bunch ready to be released. But really amazing people, guys like you, really in-depth conversations uh, about some of the neat, most fascinating, interesting things happening in business today. And so between Square Planet, Stand for Something, Square Stories, <laughs> you can just put my name in the Google machine, you'll find me. I'm kind of all over the place. Great. Brian, uh, thank you very much for being a guest on my show. I really, really appreciate it and uh, look forward to catching up with you again at some point. Absolutely. It is my deep pleasure, but more than anything, I wish you and yours and all around you health and safety. Let's all get out of this on the right side of things. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And the same, same sentiments to yourself and all your family and colleagues. So thank, thank you very you so much. much. I appreciate Take that. care of yourself. You won't be well. Thank okay. you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Still on. Take care now. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. Everybody, I hope you really enjoyed that interview with Brian Burkhardt. It's, wasn't it great? Some of the stuff he's suggesting, you know, really, really good. I love the bit about, you know, take the first 75 seconds at the beginning of your presentation before you show your first slide. I mean, you know, think about how you would, you know, so you're getting engaged with your audience and then you're coming with your first slide. So you know, think about that. And Brian's top three tips about the know, feel and do you know that preparation is really big and gratitude gratitude to your audience that you're really pleased to be there and you're thankful that you've got the opportunity to present to them so some some brilliant stuff in there um, i'm going to continue to produce as many episodes of this podcast as i can during the current situation if you'd like to come on if you'd like to share your expertise like brian did then do get in touch you can find me at trevor at trevorleemedia.co.uk or connect with me on LinkedIn. You might find me on Facebook, all those sort of things as well. So if, you know, stay safe, stay positive. Thanks for listening.